In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We're brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Uh, Daryl, let's talk about the aftermath of Deshaun Watson. Um, A lot of people with a lot of opinions about Deshaun in game number one against the Houston Texans, most of them not favorable. Um, I say it's one game, uh, you know, chill out. There's no reason to overreact to this. What say you, my friend? Wait, people were not impressed with how Deshaun Watson played? They were not impressed. Not at all, my friend. Shocked, I say. I'm shocked. Um, Yeah, I mean, it is one game. Uh, I told you so, uh, although I didn't tell you it was going to be that ugly and rough. But he was going to be rusty. He certainly was rusty. And now we will see what they are able to fix going into uh, the, you know Cincinnati this week. And hopefully they're able to fix a lot because uh, the Bengals are really freaking good. They beat the Chiefs again. How about that, by the way? The fact that Joe Burrow, uh, 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns, but he is 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's just why. Why do you why does that happen? Like I don't get it. I don't understand I, it. I, I don't and know. Will they look like a different team on Sunday compared to the way they did on this past Sunday? I I am I'm expecting the Bengals to be back uh and be the Super Bowl con- they're going to win the division. The the Ravens are falling apart. Lamar Jackson's now hurt. They're sinking fast. Bengals are going to come back and win this division. Um and who knows? I, I do think that there's a scenario, right? Because it's all about getting hot at the right time. And I do think there's a scenario where the Bengals could find themselves back in the Super Bowl again. I don't know if they win it, but I, I can see a scenario like that happen. You get hot at the right time. Uh, the Browns are starting to, to get a little warm. They're not getting hot. They are getting warm, uh, especially uh, the defense. But look, I mean, their their success hinges on Deshaun Watson's success and he was not successful in Houston but because the Texans are so terrible um you know four turnovers created uh, via defense and special teams 24 the 27 points the Browns scored I believe came off of those turnovers uh, they had uh, an interception return a punt return and a fumble return for a touchdown so, uh, but no offensive, no offensive touchdowns, which is really, really bizarre. And yet they had no problem handling the Texans. I just, I don't know that that formula is going to work uh, against anybody else other than the Houston Texans. So it's incumbent upon Kevin Stefanski to find some stuff this week, Andy, that Deshaun is really, really comfortable with. Look, I mean, the thing that stands out about that Houston game is the speed of the game. Um, we talked about this on our post-game podcast Sunday night. Um, uh, he was he was really affected by the the layoff and the speed of the game, uh, and I think that that led to a lot of those one-hop throws to receivers that we saw. Now that he's gotten a taste of that. So wait, do you think the mechanics is rushing the ball out of his, just trying to get rid of it too fast? Yep. Oh, yeah. Try, trying not to uh, – trying not to get hit. Um, but – you know, that's, uh, 
I don't know. Do they run at him with a bunch of brooms or something in practice? So, you know, they're not going to hit the guy, obviously, but I, I don't know. There, there's got to be something that they can do to startle him a little bit in practice so that he can get used to that a little bit because that's that's what it looked like to me from 2,000 miles away and watching on TV as well as watching uh, the replay. Uh, on my well, I thought he said it. You know, these guys are in week 11. I'm in week one, and it really felt like that, and my body is paying for the 700 days I took off. Well, I mean, he he looked like he did in the preseason. Remember those three preseason series? I I, I mean, now granted, there were some drops in that again in Jacksonville. Uh, you, you lost your starting center. There were some penalties. He wasn't dealing with a lot of that. In Houston, there weren't a lot of drop passes. They were bad throws. Um, the offensive line well, on the perimeter struggled, especially on the, the left side of the line there. Um, but that, I think, was more him than the line this time around and the circumstances around him. But, yeah, I mean, it just – it really brought back um, – those three series as brief as they were in that preseason game against Jacksonville. And uh, again, competition gets way like it super elevates this week with Cincinnati. Right. And then we found out Monday that the Browns will host the Ravens for Deshaun's home opener on the 17th of December. That's a Saturday with a four 30 kickoff. That is part of a NFL network a triple header. So nationally, if you listen to this podcast, you can watch that game on um, NFL Network. If you are in the Cleveland metro area, it's on the local ABC affiliate. Um, my question for you is a question that we had after yesterday's game. By playing Deshaun Watson, does that mean the Browns don't care about the postseason this year? Is that a statement? Do you no. And would I they mean, have had a better opportunity to make the postseason if Jacoby was playing? No, because I, I, regardless of how poorly he played in Houston, Deshaun's a better player than Jacoby. And you didn't give him two hundred and thirty million dollars to ride the pine the entire year, and you didn't go through all, you didn't work with him, and, and and go through this process of the the disciplinary and all that, getting him back after eleven weeks just so you could sit him on the bench. Um, my take on the rest of this season, Andy, is that it's all about getting him right, getting him back to being the player that he was in Houston, getting all that rust knocked off of him. Now, the thing that does concern me is there's no guarantee that happens. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm just saying that there is no guarantee here Futures undetermined, don't know. The expectation, I think yours, not to put words in your mouth, but I think your expectation, my expectation, fans' expectation is this guy is going to return to that 2020 form that saw him lead the NFL in passing. Yeah, I want 5,000 passing yards in a season. That's what I want to see. You know, you know, have a the second highest passer rating in NFL history and stuff like that. That's my expectation of this guy starting in 2023. Um, I just think that for a lot of people, I think the reaction is so strong is because not enough people heeded my warning. I warned you 
I tried warning you that this was a possibility. Again, not this bad, but this this rust thing was going to be a real thing, and that he was not going to come out firing in all cylinders. And it, I mean, he's a little further behind than even I projected him to be. But yeah, that's what the rest of this season is going to be about: rehabbing Deshaun Watson on the football field. How do you think his play affected other players? I mean, they were able to run the ball. Um, they were able to. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to find something else positive to say about it. I, I mean, I was trying to think about Amari, Amari Cooper, and I was like, I kind of felt bad for him. So, did you see some of the facial expressions of the receivers after some throws? Uh, yes, yes, I I, I was paying very close attention to the facial expression of the receivers. And there were a few WTF looks on guys' faces, especially ones where, like, they were open and the ball would one-hop to them. They'd be like, the hell was that on their face? But they obviously wouldn't say that or whatever. And the only reason to notice because, God, I love HD cameras. <laughs> but, yeah, I was really paying attention to facial expressions today when I was rewatching the game, counting the, the one hop ground balls that he was throwing. They're like, what is this guy doing? Um, but you, and you can just, you know, going back and looking at what guy said after the game in the locker room, you could tell nobody wanted to say anything bad about Deshaun, but you got to believe that all he, man, this guy sucked. <laughs> They had to you. No, that's our leader. They had to be thinking it, right, he, Andy? You know what? I think he thought it too, though. So I mean, yeah. he knows where he was. So right, absolutely. All right, it's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. When we come back, major injury for the Browns, and uh, what happened to our other starting quarterback? Remember that guy we drafted at number one? Where's he off to next? It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Brian Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, let's talk about the major injury, and you knew it when it happened when Sione Takitaki was taken off the field against Houston. You're like, this is not good, and when he was carted off, and uh, he will be out. Uh, they, did they officially say he's out for the rest of the season? Yes. Yeah, he's officially yeah. out for the rest torn of the season. A, torn ACL, done for the season. Will require surgery. All right, so that's where he's at. And as you brought up in the press conference with Kevin Stefanski, that's your third, third starting linebacker that's gone down for the season. And in the middle. Like, it's same position. Yeah. It, Anthony Walker went down first. Then uh, Jacob Phillips uh, with a pectoral tear. Uh, Walker, by the way, uh, who has been around the team in recent weeks. Uh, his was a, a, a quadriceps. And then uh, now uh, Taki Taki with um, – uh, the knee injury and uh, you know, talk's going to be a free agent um, third round pick in 2019 was really starting to play well. I mean, he played well in spurts last year, um, but as the season went on, he he was really starting to play well for the Browns. Just a really a, a, another big loss. Um, I, I don't know what Andrew Barry's going to be able to do. Uh, maybe Dion Jones, they just turn it over to him. Uh, Jordan Kuzanskit, maybe he gets a look. Um, uh, you know, Tony Fields played really, really well. Had basically a career, like he had a career in one afternoon with right. the forced fumble, uh, interception return for a touchdown, and then the, the fumble recovery 
on the uh, the Texans muffed punt. So it, outside of JOK, like it, it almost feels like JOK is the last dependable linebacker that you know, like the last known quantity standing um, right now. So yeah, they're 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 in a tough spot at the linebacker position, especially in the middle. And what I hate to remind people what happens every time the Browns lose a linebacker, the run defense just absolutely gets destroyed. So that'll be something to watch Sunday against the Bengals. All right, let's turn the page just a little bit and take a look backwards and forwards, I guess, with Baker Mayfield. And the Browns found out today that they will get a fifth-round pick as compensation for uh, him ending up uh, in Carolina and then being released. Um, uh, the people I had talked to that said that Baker, you know, Baker was already the third string quarterback at this point. He was very excited to be released. We'll see if he clears waivers. And if he well, doesn't ask for it. Yeah, he asked for it. He's very excited about this. The opportunity that he has in front of him, yes. maybe just because looking at San Francisco and saying, well, if Garoppolo's done, they need help in San Francisco. I don't but think the question is, wants him. Does Kyle Shanahan want him? That nope, was what I, was I don't say, think so. so. I don't think so. So what happens to him next? He's going to be very excited to be the Houston Texans quarterback. <laughs> uh, any chance he lands in Baltimore? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know where he's going to end up, but I, I his his career is starting to fall apart on him, I think, unfortunately, and in a hurry. Um, I think – See, here's the thing now. If he's not willing to accept a backup role, I don't know that he's going to be long for the NFL, Andy, um, because that's about where he's at. Um, you know, he had an opportunity to start in Carolina and didn't get it done. I mean, I, I hate to be so, uh, you know, black and white about it, but that that's just, I just think the writing's on the wall. Um if he's not willing to go the Colt McCoy route, like Colt McCoy has made a small fortune being a backup quarterback. I mean, he is in the business of football hall of fame or will be going into the business of football hall of fame. He has made a ton of money uh, to, uh, as a backup quarterback. And, you know, Baker could do the same in my view. Um, I just, I don't know that he's going to be willing to do it. He wasn't willing to stick it out in Carolina. And he got he asked for and got his release. I don't know. Like I, I just I, I don't know what is next for him. I, I wonder if I mean he's gotta believe that he needs one more opportunity, especially to get paid. And if Kyle Shan I and I know you're saying you don't think Forget <clears> getting <throat> paid, he just needs a job at this point. Like well, I, I think, think but he paid. I, I think that's just he's in front of him. He is the ultimate challenge. And like, I think that if I, mean, I, I do think, well, I do think San Francisco could work with him if they wanted to. And he, he understands what it's like to take the hit. He knows what it's like to do this or that, but he would have to play so controlled and, and kind of go back to the beginning of his time with Kevin Stefanski and really embrace that. And, and he would have to go in, you know, so humble to have a shot in San Francisco. Like he honestly Kyle believe, would have to say honestly believe Baker would do that. Well, I like you said, he's trying to survive in the league right now. So if Kyle gave him the opportunity to come in here and the first words out of his mouth should be how high? What Kyle, what can I do? 
How high? How high do you need me to jump? Whatever you need, I'm there. I will execute plays no matter how you want them played. Yeah, is I, he capable of that? I, I, he did the he did that in Carolina though. See that that's my point. Okay, mm-hmm. I just I don't think I don't think he's built that way. I really don't. And um, I don't think the 49ers are gonna gonna. I think the 49ers are gonna go with what they have in their building or go in another direction. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Lions sign Josh Dobbs to their practice. I did see that. Yeah. Um, which by the way, I was thinking maybe the 49ers would sign him with the with the Jimmy G news. So I was a little surprised that uh, uh, John Dorsey and the Lions front office uh, jumped on Dobbsy. But yeah, I I honestly don't know what's next for Baker, but whatever is uh, next is going to unfortunately require him eating a whole lot of humble pie. Because Can he do it? You you were around him a lot more than I was. Can he do it? Can he do it? Yes. But I don't think that fits his personality. That's that's and and, and I like Baker. I do. I it but I just I don't know that that fits his personality. I really don't. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield. I, the only other question: if anything, left, it, if anything, it validated Andrew Barry's decision to move on. Sure. Like this yeah. this whole this this whole situation has validated Andrew Barry's evaluation of Baker as a player, and if anything, a sigh of relief that he didn't give him thirty million dollars a year to keep him here. Think about that, because remember, me- remember after the 2020 playoff season, yes. we're all debating how many hundreds of millions of dollars was Baker Mayfield gonna get paid? He was close, Daryl. I, I mean, he I was mean, close. Uh, it, it 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 it's wild how quickly things can change, not just in life, but well, I mean, I get obviously in life, but like in the National Football League, how fast stuff can change, and um. Yeah, it um, it validates. Bust. I mean, right now you have to call him a bust, right? Yeah, he's a bust. He wasn't a bust for the Browns though, because they won eleven games in his third year, and he won a playoff game, um, which is the best this team has had. I mean, been. he's not Johnny Manziel, but I mean, right. at this point in his career, it was a quick bust. Yeah, I mean, he was good for maybe it was, maybe it was a, bur- a bubble burst. Yeah, more than a bust. League caught up to him, yeah. type thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, That's true. And the injury, really, let's be honest about it. Uh, I, you know, not making excuses for him, but it is a reality. That injury problem. Well, I agree with you. I mean, there were people that said after the injury they would never be the same. And, he's you not know, that's kind of where you are right not now. The same. Like I said, he went to Carolina where there were no expectations for the Panthers this year. They were not considered a legitimate playoff contender, right? Right. And he struggled there. I mean, there's no, there's nowhere, no way else to say it. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to Baker or, or anything like that, but the bottom line is, is he struggled in his opportunities at, when he was relatively healthy and, you know, they ultimately made it, you know, he did get banged up. They made a quarterback change. Uh, they went back to him. They gave him another opportunity and he didn't get it done. And so they, that's how he fell down the depth chart. And then ultimately 
decided to ask for his release. I understand why he asked for his release. I'm wondering if there's going to be a negative effect of that as well, because you te- te- teams ask a lot of questions about guys when they do their research. Yep. And that could be something that does get used against him that he didn't stick it out for the year in Carolina. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to and want to be a part of the show, well, you can always hit us up on social media at game day CLE on both Instagram and Twitter. A new home for the Browns? Hmm. We'll kick that around next. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. So, you know, we've talked a lot about where the Browns' future could be, not with players or staff or offense or defense but actually a home for the Browns. And we've talked about the structural integrity of their current home and where they're going to go and if they've got to move or what's going to happen. Daryl, little, um, maybe a little bit of news as far as what the future could be for the Browns and what they call home. Correct, my friend? Well, more, more so some uh, city bureaucratic housekeeping. Um, I think it was in – 2020 or 2021 the spring of when the haslams unveiled their vision for the lakefront and development around first energy stadium and the bridge and connecting it to downtown cleveland and all that and uh you know they were able to get some money together uh to do feasibility studies and engineering studies and stuff like that well Cleveland City Council is close to approving uh, the hiring or the ability to hire consultants to develop what is uh, called a, uh, a master plan uh, for the lakefront, and, which includes the Browns, but it's not exclusive to the Browns. It's uh, no- North Coast Harbor, Voinovich Park, that's uh, uh, you know, where the Rock Hall, the Science Center is. Burke, uh, First Energy Stadium, no Burke Lakefront Airport. Please stop bringing that up. It's it's not going anywhere. Well, I heard, I just I saw a story on TV a couple weeks ago. They were kicking around some ideas. Yeah, I just it's going to take way too long. The, the Browns need to have shovels in the ground with whatever they're going to do within the next three years. So that's thirty six months from now. They they got to know. I mean, the Guardians had to push back their uh, renovation. They had to push that back a, a year. I think the p- couple of things, a little insight into that. I know this is a Browns podcast, but just to give you an it's idea. Cleveland Sports Browns podcast. Um, but to give you a little context here, like one of the things the Guardians were, were kicking around because the clubhouses are getting redone. That's part of the project. But one of the scenarios they were kicking around was moving their clubhouse to the first base side and having the visitors be on the third base side. There's more room if they bust down the wall there. Right. And they could get more expansive. But the problem is, well, the team executive offices are on the third base side. So there's easier access there. And the batting cages are connected to the third base side. Yeah, so there's just a lot of stuff. And so instead of rushing the project, because that construction on that was supposed to begin uh, a couple of months ago, as soon as the, the final out was recorded, for the baseball season. So they went ahead, they pushed it back. They're still drawing up blueprints and all that kind of stuff for progressive field. And uh, they're going to start bidding stuff as bidding the, the phases of the project out in the spring. Uh, and then const- actual construction on the ballpark will commence once next season uh, is over. But so th- 
that's just a little example there of that. Wait, can you just give me a, a tiny bit more insight into what the clubhouse is? I know this is bronze, but what will the clubhouses look like? How much we don't know yet. Be? Oh, we don't know. Okay. There, because there's. I was going to say, you could blow out the media area too on the other uh, side, the third base side. The, the press box what? might be getting moved. Oh, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the where they do press, the main press conference room. That Those oh, could easily be batting. No, cases. that's, well, so that, there's actually a, a press conference room on the first base side now. That's since uh, COVID and everything's been opened back up. They actually, right. they built a little media room uh, uh, right across from the visitor's clubhouse. Um, right, but, I, so here's my question, because I, I I don't know that. You're talking I, about the big, it. massive interview room in, Correct. in the yeah. right field corner. Which is yeah. for Prescott, the big well, like I said, that's why they want to con- they, they they were considering doing something like that because there's more space on the first base side than the third base side, and they want to give the players as as many home amenities as uh, you know possible. So, back to the Browns, though. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, there. This is all right now, drawing up ideas, grand ideas. Okay, that that's all this is. Spending money to have people draw up grand ideas. The Haslam's already spent money to have architects draw up a lakefront plan. Now the city's doing their thing. And this is this is what's going to continue here for the next, I don't know, maybe year to 18 months where a bunch of ideas are going to get tossed around um, because they still, whatever they come up with, they still have to figure out how to pay for it. Um, whatever the city comes up with is going to impact the Browns decision-making process. So there's a sense of urgency from the Browns side of things to want the city to, Hey, let's get the ball moving here. Are you going to get off the pot here? Right. Right. So um, again, this is the lease is up at the end of the, I think it's the 2028 season after once that season's over, the lease will be up. That's not a lot of time. You're talking seven years to get, all this, all this background work done and the planning and things like that, and and then to actually get funding put together and how they're going to pay for everything, and then obviously the actual uh, construction phase. So this is all about grand ideas right now, but it looks like the city of Cleveland is going to move forward to hire some people to draw up some pretty pictures of uh, what the lakefront can look to look like. And this will be the 1,762nd lakefront plan that has been drawn up in the last 50 years <laughs> when it's all said and done. And do we have any idea what makes this one more unique than the other? No, I mean, there, there's got to be some movement down there, right? We, we, like we don't have a rock all rock all wants to get bigger, right? I got to believe the science center. There's some stuff going on there, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the rock hall has an expansion in the works, as a matter of fact, uh, that they are actually working on. Uh, themselves uh, and expanding towards the science center and that empty space there uh, to the West of uh, the rock hall. So, I mean, we could be looking at two major renovations downtown between that. And then I'm sure you saw the bedrock story the other day where they want to come back in. And um, well, that's because Dan Gilbert never built the second casino that he promised. So they got to do or the real casino, right? Yeah. Because so bedrock's got to do something with all that land that they bought. Okay, uh, across from uh, the field house and then uh, and and Tower City on the river. The, the the river. Old, yeah, the, but they the, also need at one point. Excuse me, they needed the Army engineer, the engineering corps to reroute the way boats went through there. Yeah. So, which is also another tricky. Thing. And now they got to move Canal Road if they want to develop. There's, there's again, this is all, all in the planning stages and who's really going to pay for stuff and, um, 
the ideas are great, but again, if I had a dollar for every plan that has been drawn up, I mean, remember the nucleus project across from the, yeah. What happened to that? Awesome gateway. Yeah. That's still a parking lot. Five years later. still says <laughs> nucleus on it. Well, I don't know. I know. I'm sure you don't remember this, but like in the early mid eighties, you know, before the final, the syntax passed, there was a huge sign on the old central market, which is where the ballpark is now that said home of Cleveland's dome stadium. That was, yep. I mean, I remember that thing. Well, like and, it was yesterday. And the reason why Progressive Field is so well designed is because they went through so many different blueprints uh, when they built that ball. Finally, got to the the final product of the ballpark. It they had been working on that damn thing for twenty years, and that's why that ballpark came out as beautiful uh, as it did. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what this city and these consultants uh, come up with as far as lakefront planning, how that marries with the Haslam's vision for the area, how, what happens to the stadium as well. Um, my understanding is uh, that all the principal parties involved want to stay on the lakefront. Hmm. That's, it, that's the last that I had heard. Um, I still maintain that we are better off building somewhere else a an indoor facility retractable and and selling that lakefront property to pay for it. I I just, I feel like that putting just either building a new stadium on the same spot again, or renovating the, I just think you're just flushing money down the drain because you're not, you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish. And that is have a building that can be used year around. And, and you are arguing with the wrong guy in this and, man. And, they and, need and a retractable roof on a stadium. And unfortunately, there's no way to connect the damn thing to the convention center. Um, and, and this current stadium is a direct byproduct of a lack of planning because, unlike the Gateway Complex, you know when uh, the Browns left for Baltimore in the mid '90s, there. And all the politicians, you know what, it down their legs after that happened and tried to save their faces. They wanted to get a team back as quickly as possible. And so what happened? You got a cookie cutter piece of crap stadium that was obsolete the day it opened its doors. And, you know, that's, that's kind of why you're in the position you're in. Instead of taking the requisite time, taking an extra two years to plan and connect the thing to the convention center and maybe t- it's just – the one thing that has always frustrated me about Northeast Ohio is we always seem to have grand ideas, but very little progressive thinking and execution of ideas. And I think that there's a real opportunity on that lakefront to be progressive in the thinking and execute a progressive game plan there uh, as well. So it'll be fun in the next, I don't know, what, however long it's going to take for them to figure out what the hell they want to do. Uh, Amen. To see to see all the pretty pictures they're able to draw. And we can It'll just, be fun. we It'll can be fantasize fun. about all the stuff that's never getting built. Won't it be great? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right, Daryl, you're the man. We'll talk again on Thursday morning. Thanks for listening to it's always game day in Cleveland brought to you uh, by our good friends. at smiley one and produced by our super friend. 
Meredith Kane, who does an amazing job. Daryl, thank you very much. Again, we're back on Thursday morning. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast.